Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host. Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get into today's episode, where I'm going to give you guys a few names that I expect much more out of. I want to see more from these ball players, offense or defense. We'll get into that in a little bit. But right now, I want to start with Jacoby Brissett, QB2 in Washington, signed last week, coming over from the Cleveland Browns on a one-year deal to be right now the backup to Sam Howell. But the bottom line, folks, with this addition is you look at Jacoby coming in as a guy that was drafted in the third round years ago by the New England Patriots. And everywhere he's gone, he's enjoyed success. Now, has he been perfect? Absolutely not. But he's gone into situations to where he's been the bridge guy, right? In New England, he's backing up Tom Brady in Indianapolis. They were going through a long list of veterans to try to come in and produce some sort of spark. In Cleveland, he was the bridge guy for Deshaun Watson. Now he comes to Washington, a situation to where, of course, right now, he's QB2 behind Sam Howell, but he, like, when you're driving, you look in that rearview mirror, and it says in that fine print on the bottom, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. He's going to push Sam Howell every single day, not just in practice, working with the ones and with the twos in meeting rooms, because this is a proven veteran in this league where he's, again, bounced from team to team, but he's someone that, again, is going to push Sam Howell. And I absolutely love the addition because, again, I've mentioned it on the pod before, Ron Rivera's MO as head coach, relaying it to Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney at the top. Whatever position they're addressing, they're getting guys in the building that will compete for snaps no matter the position. doesn't matter if you're adding an edge rusher, a tight end, or in this case, Brissett at quarterback. You got a young individual in the building in Sam Howell that has one start under his belt. Right now, he is QB1. There has been nothing as far as them making a move for a Lamar Jackson or trying to pry him away from Baltimore. But right now, your quarterback is Sam Howell, a young individual with a lot of talent. We understand what he can do with his arm and his legs, but winning between the ears is something that Jacoby Brissett, from the offenses and the organizations that he's been in and operated within, because he started 16 games over the last two years, folks. This isn't a guy like Chad Henney or Chase Daniel or John Wolford out in Los Angeles with the Rams where you're just kind of backing up and and that's it. You're just holding a clipboard and have an earpiece in. This is a guy that's actually played. And through 12 touchdowns compared to six picks last year, he is someone in this scenario, if Sam goes through some speed bumps, now I want you all to understand first off that Sam will endure some speed bumps this year if he is indeed the guy starting from week one. Not everything is going to be perfect. And was it a great start to his career with... This first completion to, to Terry McLaurin going for a touchdown? Absolutely. 
you can't have much of a better start than that. But not everything is going to be like that. Teams are going to get tape on the kid. Teams are going to be able to scheme up different blitzes, different coverages on the back end, what they're sending up front, their different personnel packages. A lot of different things teams are going to do as they get to learn what the pillars of Washington's offense is going to look like because, again, new face under center and a brand new voice calling plays with Eric Bieniemy in the building. But with Jacoby as the QB2, he is someone that if you want him to just hold a clipboard and play maybe a game this year or a series or two, he can do that for you and push Sam on the practice field in the meeting rooms like I mentioned at the top. Or... If, knock on wood, Sam Howell ends up on the shelf for a month and you need to start Jacoby for four or five games, he can do that. Because ladies and gentlemen, who am I to sit here and say that Sam Howell is going to be healthy for 17 games next year? That's not how things have worked in D.C. for the longest time. We have not had any sort of sustainability or consistency under center since Kirk Cousins, five, six years ago. Should he, now, should Kirk probably still be in D.C. if we just ponied up and paid the man his money? Probably. Now, I'm sure a lot of you out there have your opinions on Kirk Cousins, but bottom line is that Kirk's been the best quarterback that's had some consistency since really Mark Rippon was in town over 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago. That's the bottom line. So, With Jacoby in the building and two guys right now in this offense that can operate and a guy in Brissett that is a veteran that isn't the most athletic guy in the world. He by no means is Sam Howell athletically, but he will be able to lead the offense if he has to. And having two guys that can do that, two guys that have similar skill sets from an arm talent perspective because Jacoby can rip it a little bit, that presents Eric Bieniemy and Ron Rivera the two brain trusts of this offense, right? Especially with Eric make, calling the shots and the architecture of this offense is going to be him with his fingerprints on it. You got guys that can do, both guys can operate sort of at the same level. If you have to have Brissett come in and play, you can. Whether it's as a starter or it's as a backup for a player two, a series or two, or a game or two. So I love the addition of Jacoby in town. Again, backing up Sam Howell and being that veteran shoulder to lean on and that voice inside his ear to help him along this grace period that he's going to enjoy it when he starts, most likely from week one. But want to get into the episode and, and talk about a few guys, again, that I want to see more of, need to see more of as we move into 2023. And that starts for me on the defensive side of the ball, on the outside with Benjamin St. Juiced. Moving into year three, long, physical, aggressive corner. Jack Del Rio on defense is a primarily zone-oriented defense, meaning you're going to run a lot of cover threes. It's going to be about five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage, potentially even more. And working downhill using his long arms, I talk about it all the time, because those 33-inch arms, the ability to disrupt timing, reroute receivers, and knock not just knock the ball away at the catch point, but get interceptions on the outside. But he has got to stay healthy. He played just nine games in his rookie year and came back and played 12 last year. He was looked upon, and right now is CB1 for this roster. Because if the game started today, Washington's top three corners would be St. Juiced, Kendall Fuller, 
and Cameron Dantzler, who they claimed off waivers from Minnesota. Now, they, were, they re-signed Danny Johnson, who's going to play the nickel a lot. Rashad Wild Goose is also back. He's most likely going to be a special teams core guy this year. And if they need him to be that CB5 or CB6, he can come in rotationally and play some inside out and offer you some of that versatility that they liked at the back end of the season. But for Benjamin St. Juice, you watch him in flashes, and I always turn back to that Philadelphia game against A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, that first matchup, he was fantastic. And he took his lumps, but he's battle-tested in someone that showed a lot of potential to progress into a, not an elite CB1 in this league, or I'm not asking him to shut down a third of the field, but he's someone on the outside that can limit these X receivers in the NFL, and not just the NFL, but guys in the NFC East that you're going to face, the C.D. Lambs, right? You got to look in New York, and they have guys... Like Wandale Robinson and Sterling Shepard. They just added Paris Campbell from the Colts. Now, he doesn't move the needle too much for me, but these are receivers that you're going to face. Dallas just added Brandon Cooks from Houston. These are guys that they're going to have to counter. And Benjamin has to play more than 12 games of the most he's played in two, in two years, right? Nine in his rookie year and 12 last year. He has to stay on the field because would not be surprised if Washington adds a corner or two in the 2023 draft because of the depth of the position in April. Kendall Fuller right now is CB2. Could he play nickel? Absolutely. That's where he played at Virginia Tech, where he was best in his first stint in Washington and played in Kansas City as well with, again, some of that inside-out versatility. But I have got to see more from Benjamin St. Just, and the main thing that comes with that is the availability. He has got to stay on the football field because I think the potential is enormous for him, not just in flipping his hips and carrying a guy 20 yards downfield, but being physical at the line of scrimmage. You have to blow up a screenplay. He can do that. Physical in the run game. He can do that as well in man or in zone. So Benjamin St. Juice staying healthy in the 2023, something I'm looking forward to. The next guy, I'm staying on the defensive side of the ball and I'm going inside the hashes. And that's what Jamin Davis moving in to year three. There were steps taken in year two. But the additions that Washington has made and the re-signings that the Washington has made this offseason should be an eye-opener for Jamin because now the linebacker class isn't overwhelmingly deep or electric by any means, but there are talents in this class. As you move into day two and day three, there's some athletes that if Washington wants to add a legit talent at the middle of their defense, I think they could, but I don't think they will because right now, obviously with Cole now in Pittsburgh, you're going to start in your base with Jamin Davis and Cody Barton as your two linebackers. And folks, I'm fine with that. I I am. I'm absolutely fine with that. But for Jamin, it's a day one pick, folks. Day one, hybrid linebacker. They do a lot of different things. Coming out of Kentucky, everyone points again to that Florida game where he's carrying Kyle Pitts up the seam, showcasing his 4-4-4-5 speed. We haven't seen that a ton in those first two years. We saw it more in 2022, than we did in 2021, where the game was extremely accelerated for the kid. But as we move into this year, I'd want to see him just really come into his own at the position. You see a gap, you're reading and you're understanding what you're seeing. The game's slowed down for you now as you move into year three. Blow somebody up in the hole. You're able to cover a running back on a rail route. You're able to cover a tight end and flip your hips over the middle of the field. Use that contact window to your advantage five yards downfield. Do that. You're asking to blitz off the hip of Deron Payne and shed an offensive guard? Do that too. You're a day one pick. 
That's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. He was taken in the top 20 picks in his draft back in 2021. He has to be better. I expect more. I know, I get it. The linebacker position is extremely tough in what Jack Del Rio asks of his linebackers to do. But they re-signed Khalid Hudson. David Mayo is back. Nathan Gary is back. Now, are any of those names expected to play a ton of snaps? No, I remain, it remains to be seen what really the role is for Khalid Hudson coming out of Michigan and playing that jack spot that Dax Hill did. He's a safety for the Bengals now. Where does Khalid fall in for that into that position? Is he a hybrid safety? He wants to play more than the second level? Is he just a special teams guy? We know what David Mayo offers, and then Nathan Gary was on the roster last year, a special teams guy. But then you bring in Cody Barton to replace Cole Holcomb. I like Cody's game. I really do. I think he's someone that has a, with a ton of opportunity and a lot of snaps that he's going to get this year playing the mic. You watch his interview and what he was talking about as far as he wants to play the mic in Washington, he will be able to. So him and Jameis at the, Jamin, excuse me, at the second level, I want to see more from Jamin and reach that performance ceiling because we're getting to the point now where you're starting to evaluate contracts right with those first rounders. We saw them pay John Allen, Deron Payne, and Terry these last three off seasons. Now you're getting to the point where with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, then there's going to be Jamin Davis. Are you going to pay him or are you not? Right now, I don't think they pay him. So year three is going to be big for him as we move in to 2023. From there, let's jump to the offensive side of the ball with Sam Cosme. And I had the same exact conversation with you all this time last year as far as wanting to see more from Sam. And this year, there's even some more wrinkles as far as where he's ultimately going to find his role because, well, Nick Gates, interior versatile guy, and Andrew Wiley coming over from Kansas City with a familiar face in Eric Bieniemy now in town. He's going to align at right tackle most likely, right? Relationships matter. Eric Bieniemy wasn't in the building when Washington drafted Sam Cosme right? Washington wasn't in the building when they drafted Chase Woolier. Now, he wasn't in the building as well when they drafted Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Sam Howell, those guys as well. But for Sam, moving into year three to where we really haven't seen him reach that ceiling as well, where he's going to really be able to dig his cleats in, so to speak, moving forward, is it going to be a guard or is it going to be a tackle? Because right now, he may be the starting right guard into 2023 because I don't see any any way that Washington's going to play Andrew Wiley at right guard than right tackle. Could Wiley do that? Absolutely. He'd probably play left tackle for you if you need him to do that as well. But Sam may find his living moving into the next year or two with those bumpers to either side of him with Roulier to his left or Gates and Wiley to his right. And we may even be talking about Nick Gates starting at guard. Who knows? The versatility and, again, competition. We came into this spring talking so much about the draft and guards and tackles and what the future is with Chase Roulier, which all it still remains up in the air, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get me wrong. And I would not be surprised if Washington wants to add a left tackle, even though Charles Leno is still in the building, come draft day. But by adding Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley, it's throwing a wrench into the future of Sam Cosme and where he's going to find that future. The athletic profile of him coming out of Texas was one of the elite in the class. There's a reason why he was taken in the second round. Early day two prospect. Fantastic. Overwhelming at time, and just dominant for the Longhorns at times on that right side of the offensive line. 
But now again, this is year three. This isn't your rookie season. This isn't year two. And he also has got to stay in the football field as well. Injuries have lacked, really pulled snaps away from him and given other guys opportunities. While right guard in 2022 was ugly, to say the least, for the commanders, moving into this year, you got a bunch of different faces that you could slot in. Because where does that leave Cornelius Lucas? You drafted Chris Paul on day three last year. He may be that swing guard for you. You just re-signed Tyler Larson. He's a guy that can play some center and guard for you if you have to and did some last year. And he was, I thought he was average. But for Sam Cosme, you got to play, man. You got to get on the football field. You got to stay healthy. I think the potential, as I mentioned with all these guys, with Jamin and Benjamin, young guys that have the potential. But for Sam Howell and for this offense to reach its potential, they're going to need a guy like Sam Cosme to reach that ceiling quickly moving into year three. Because again, he's excellent in the run game and displacing defenders. And then he has to drop that backside and dig those cleats in the ground and sink those hips and and pass pro. He can do that as well as any any young tackle and guard, if you will, in football, especially coming out of school at Texas and see what he could do in pass pro. I really like his potential within the front five. And if it is a guard, we will see. But I want to see more from Sam Cosme. So from there, last guy is Deami Brown on the outside. I want to see more from Deami Brown. Now, this kind of comes with some ifs, ands, or buts because of the guys in front of him. But with Eric Bieniemy in town, I want to see how he progresses in this offense. Is he going to be somebody that is continually going to be wide receiver four? Is he someone that's going to play 15% of snaps and just going to run nine routes and maybe get a target or two every month? That's what it was for the last two years. But with Sam coming in, being the starter and the relationship that he had with him in North Carolina, I'm excited to see what the enemy schemes up with this offense. Because again, Washington is going to live in 11 personnel this year, meaning one running back and one tight end, three wide receivers on the football field. And that rotation of three receivers Now, we'll start with Terry, Jahan, and Curtis, but that will rotate. You'll see De'Ami Brown. You're going to see some Cam Sims if he does indeed return. But allowing De'Ami to run a more diverse route tree instead of just saying, hey, align on the outside and run as fast as you can, run a nine route, try to beat the corner and scoot over top the safety, De'Ami proved in North Carolina that he can separate at each level of the defense. So allowing him to do that this fall and moving forward potentially, it's a nice another little weapon. Wide receiver four, wide receiver five for you. Alongside Dax Millen as well, probably get some targets as well this fall in those shallow areas. So De'Ami Brown, I'm excited to see what Eric Bieniemy has in store for him in, in, in 2023. But the last guy I want to address too is Antonio Gibson. And it's not that I want to see more from him this fall. I'm expecting big, I'm expecting big things. I'm expecting him to produce a lot in 2023. There is no more J.D. McKissick in this offense. Now, I was told from an individual inside Washington's personnel department that there is no expected move as for a trade or free agency right now. Now, expected, right? Things can change. And Jarek McKinnon from Kansas City, obviously there's connections there with Eric Bieniemy, may be an option to replace J.D. in those touches. But right now, it's Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson moving into 2023. Now, do not be shocked if Washington adds a running back on day three or a UDFA to come in and offer some value as a special teamer and guy that can return because they're lacking that 
on their roster right now. And the individual, again, that I spoke to mentioned that as a priority as we move into April's draft. But for Antonio inside Vietnamese's offense, this guy that came from Memphis that, again, was drafted, he played mostly receiver at Memphis, not running back. Brian Robinson is RB1. But a chess piece like Antonio that you can have in the backfield, you want to run some pony personnel with two running backs on the field, and you want to flex him in the slot, or you want to force a linebacker out to the boundary or to the perimeter of the field side of the formation and buzz out on him and try to cover him in space, you got a guy that can create, and that's obviously has his comfortability in space and with his hands. So again, I'm not expecting more from, I want to see more of from Antonio Gibson. I just know the potential that is there with him because of that athletic profile, a big boy that can move, whether you're asking him to create inside the tackles or outside the tackles or throw him a screen pass or asking him to run a vert or a wheel or a post over the middle of the field. He can do all those things for you. And he's not 5'8". He's not 180 pounds, right? He's over 215 pounds, about 6'2". So that's a different type of ball player that you now have within the offense. And with Eric Bieniemy, again, I mentioned it, if you haven't listened to the episode, when I basically introduced Eric Bieniemy and kind of went over the pillars of his offense and what I expect moving into 2023 within Washington and the personnel and the, the skill players that they have in town, you look at what Antonio Gibson could be for this offense, you're going to force all 11 defenders on defense to account not just for Terry and Jahan, but account for everybody on the football field. And that includes the tight ends room to where they have to improve. Bottom line, whether they want to make it add and wave two or three of free agency or in the draft, whether our, our guy is going to be able to be had on each and every day, they have to get better in the tight ends room. But with enemy and with chess pieces like Antonio, you're going to force defense to cover every blade of grass and to be athletes on the football field. You're going to change how defenses cover you from a personnel perspective to where you're going to force them into matchups to where if it's a speed deficient defense and coverage, you're going to buzz out your athletes and say, good luck. I'm going to pick my poison for you if I'm Sam Howell. I'm going to pick and choose. I want to target Terry 15 times a game. I can do that. I want to throw some screens to Antonio Gibson, or I'm going to get him over a 6'3 linebacker, 250 pounds that runs 4.75 over the middle of the field and allow him to create after the catch. I can do that too. I want to run some RPO and target John Bates over the middle of the field and then take it myself on first and 10 inside the 20 for 10 yards or Sam Howell. I can do that too. Then I can hand it off to Brian Robinson and run it down your throat on second and five. So there's a lot of different things with Antonio to where he reaches his potential. He not just expands a playbook, but he expands a defense horizontally, which I'm expecting to see as we move into this fall. So that's just a few guys that I, I'm expecting to see more out of. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please have a like, review, share, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. All my written work is housed, as always, including more audio and video content at thedraftnetwork.com. We'll have a, actually a live show or our TDN 100 tomorrow on March 21st. At noon, if you guys like to tune in, that is going live on our, again, the Draft Network's Twitter accounts and YouTube, where I will be on there with a couple of my colleagues talking ball, talking about a lot of different players on the offensive and defensive side of the ball to get familiar with as we move into April. But again, that's going to do it for today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm on Twitter, as always, as I mentioned. If you don't follow me already, underscore Ryan Fowler. I will have an episode out for you early next week. Appreciate you guys always tuning in. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.